2: god we believe yes we can see it that wonders are still what you do we are here for Still what you do. we are here for you You move, heaven is coming. Miracles happen when you move, healing is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move, heaven is coming. Sing, miracles happen, miracles happen when you move coming in this room miracles happen when you move heaven is coming this is a move this is a move we are here for you we are here Move in this place, Lord. Glory to your name. Hallelujah.
1: Lord, we just thank you today to be able to gather in your house. That God, you would have your way today and that you would move in all the ways that you want to. Lord, I believe there's some life today that is going to be changed and transformed. Lord, we just thank you that you give us the opportunity to gather together, the freedom to be able to lift up your name, to spend time with each other, to build authentic relationships with others and with you. Lord, we just give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen. "Amen." You can be seated this morning for a few moments. It's great to have you here. Is anybody in the house in love with Jesus? Oh man, I'm telling you, we're gonna have an amazing day today. If you are a guest with us, welcome to Hillside Assembly. You picked a fantastic Sunday to be your first Sunday. Uh, before you leave today, if you would uh, meet us at back in the the table back there in our foyer, because we would love to put a gift in your hand and get to know you a little bit. If you're watching online for the first time. Reach out to us, connect with us. We want to know your story, and we want to connect with you. Uh, If you're a guest here, we will do our offering at the end of service today. Uh, We have a giving box in our foyer, and of course, you can give anytime online at hillsideassembly.org. I want to say happy Father's Day to all our dads out there. So we've got some incredible men that are worth celebrating. Thank you for all you do. We greatly appreciate it. And speaking of men that need to be celebrated, I want to thank a couple people that have helped us out the last two weeks preparing our lower parking lot so that we could do outdoor services. Uh, so John Schultz, Jairo Granados, Anthony. Uh, uh, Rick, uh, there may have been one or two more. If I missed you, I'm sorry. But you guys have done an exceptional job. Thank you guys so much. And thank you guys for your flexibility, parking everywhere except the parking lot the last two weeks. But we'll be ready to go with outside services next week. Uh, and Lisa's happy because nobody's tracking in tar into the church. So uh, we've accomplished all that we've, we've wanted to this week. Um, a couple things that we want to make mention of this morning. First off, next weekend is going to be huge. It's going to be a fantastic weekend. Uh, It kicks off on Friday night. We've got our first outdoor worship night at 7 p.m. It's going to be missions-themed. We plan to have a concession stand running. I think they're serving brats and hot dogs uh, Friday night. We've got two ladies uh, from the Nicaragua orphanage that our missions team is going to go visit. Two of those ladies are actually going to be here and sharing with us that night. How cool is that? Uh, So you're going to want to come out. We've invited lots of people, but can I tell you, it doesn't matter how many people come because the King is going to get worshiped, and it is going to be phenomenal. So I hope you'll join us that night. It's going to be great. We, of course, need your help uh, to set up as well. And then Sunday, we will have the church picnic. Uh, This will launch our first outdoor service for the summer season. Uh, so please, if you can bring, if you plan to come to the picnic, if you can bring a side dish and a dessert to share, that would be great. We're going to take care of the main dishes. We're serving Webster's hot dogs, hamburgers, and cheeseburgers for the picnic. Uh, you can bring your own lawn chair, or you can borrow some of the chairs that we've got here, but we're going to have a phenomenal picnic. Don't forget to sign up for the beanbag tournament because of this, as of this morning, there are only three teams. So Robbie, we only got to beat two teams to win the trophy this year. <laughs> We're in good shape so far, but we would love for you to sign up with a partner, be a part of our beanbag tournament. Uh, Of course, if you can help us sign up in the foyer, that would be great because we need help with setting things up, uh, tearing things down, uh, serving for the church picnic, plus all of our summer activities. So please visit the table out there, pray about where you could serve and fill in and serve. We also want to make sure today everybody gets one of these because this is an invitation. One side is for our drive-in church. i appreciate if you'd take one to one of these events. Uh, I think we've got some gentlemen that have these. They're going to pass them out now to you at this time, and I want everybody to take one. Kids, adults, teens, everybody, because I believe that somebody's life could be impacted this summer, and it might be a simple thing as inviting them to come. So if you do that, we would greatly appreciate it. We also want to share with you for just a minute, I know we're taking a little extra time here this morning, but this is good because next week's going to be different. Uh, For those of you that have been with us and been a part of outdoor services, we're going to just let you know, we're going to try some new things this season. Uh, Some of these things we're going to go, hey, that was great. Some of them may not be that great. We'll never do them that way again, but we're going to try some new things. and One of the things that we're going to change this year is uh, when you come into a a drive-in service where there's a little different routine than what we've had before in the past. So we've got a map here that we're just gonna follow along really quickly to give you directions for this weekend, or this next coming weekend and through the summer. You're gonna enter in off Oshkosh Street. We'll have new entrance signs, Uh, you can't miss it. So enter in off Oshkosh Street. If you guys go to that next slide, before we had you come in and go to the left uh, in the circle, that is gonna be blocked off this year. And that is going to be parking for our first responders. We have first responders here at our church, so they will have their own parking designated spot there. So if there's an emergency in town, they can get out of here really quickly with no hindrances and get to the emergency in town. Also, if we have an issue here at the church uh, during outdoor services, our first responders, police, firefighters, they can get in that way with no problems whatsoever. We'll just push the cones out of the way. So we're, we're blocking that part off. You won't be able to enter that way. So we're going to ask you to come in and go to the right, right? And uh, if we got the next slide there, guys, we're going to have you go into the right. We're going to have you go up around the loop and uh, you're going to come to the area right here in front of the church, our carport. And that is where our new welcome center will be. So we don't have to put up a tent Uh, for those who want to serve at the welcome area. It's going to be solid ground. So there's no, you don't, we won't roll away those kind of things. Uh, It also is just going to help us to be able to set up so quickly, because we can store all that here in the foyer during the week. And so that's where our Welcome Center will be. We'll have several different people there. And you'll want to stop by the Welcome Center every week, because we will have stuff that we want to put into your hands, especially the first week, because we've got some free gifts to give you. So you want to stop by there uh, and meet those individuals at the Welcome Center. Then our parking team will take you down. They'll help you find a parking spot in the red zones uh, that are there. And then you'll see this next slide, we've got uh, the yellow area, that's our event space. We're going to try a couple different formats this year from what we've done in the past. Uh, Friday night will be kind of what we've done in the past, but Sunday might look really different. We're going to try several different things uh, this summer. And then when the event is over, we're going to ask you to exit, and we're going to have you, everybody is going to leave that same way. We're going to go out uh, onto, uh, that road is the old Berlin Road. Uh, we're going to have everybody exit that way. A couple reasons for that is the times we usually dismiss, heavy traffic is on Oshkosh Street. The last thing we want to do is cause an accident. The other thing, if we can keep traffic flowing in one ways, we feel more comfortable uh, that we're not going to have anybody ran over and that we don't want anybody ran over at church. Amen? We lift people up. We don't run them over. That's what God's called us to do. Uh, So if you can help us out with that, that would be great. Two other quick things uh, we want to make mention of, Is uh, on Sunday, July second. Loretta is trying to put together a team to go sing some patriotic songs at our two uh, two assisted living centers. If you would be interested, if you could let her know, that would be great. We'll highlight this big time next week as well. But Loretta, could you just wave your hand? That is her right there. That's the lady you need to see. Say, I want to come and sing with you uh, on July second and bless uh, bless some uh, individuals. We did this a few months ago. It was phenomenal. It was so great. I know with it being close to the holiday, maybe this this won't work out, but we want to try to make it happen. If it doesn't, we'll schedule it for a different Sunday. But if you're you're available, you're interested, please let Loretta know. And again, we'll hit that up next Sunday. And then following today's service, I know it's Father's Day. A lot of people have plans, but if there are a few people that could help us out, we'd love to be able to move some of our equipment downstairs to help us get a head start uh, for this next weekend. Dave, Uh, and Jeff uh, would be willing to coordinate that. You guys want to wave your hands back there. If you're watching on the camera, you can't see them. Uh, But those guys will be helping us out. Uh, They'll let you know what needs to go down. Obviously, these tables, a lot of our equipment, they're going to take downstairs. We're not setting it up. We just want to get it downstairs so it's easier to, to handle and manage this week. Are you guys ready to worship now? I don't know. I've probably worn you out already. Can you stand to your feet this morning? I'm excited because in a few moments, Robbie's going to introduce us. Uh, to a new song. It's our summer theme song. I heard this song several months ago, and I was like, this is going to be the theme for summer. Little did I realize that it ties so closely to what we've talked about the last few weeks when I first heard it. And I just want to let you know that today, that there is a God who absolutely loves you. I think about Saul on the road to Damascus. Jesus ran, he ran him down. He didn't run him over, but he ran him down to find him, because God had a plan for his life. And I want you to know this morning, no matter what you're facing, what you're going through, how you feel this morning, God has a plan for you and he is running after you today to talk to you, to speak to you, to encourage you, to give you life. Let's do that right now. Let's just pray. Lord, we want to spend time with you, our King, Master, and Savior. Lord, would you just move in this house today? Would you move through the airwaves online, touch those individuals in their home or traveling, those on vacation that are watching, those across the ocean that are watching this morning or tonight, wherever they might be, that, God, that you still have a plan for them, that you still have a way, that there's something great about their life because you're in their life. Lord, as we worship you, may we do so with the spirit of truth. And Lord, may your spirit move freely in this place. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, let's worship the Lord together.
2: Sun sets free
3: Please for me.
2: going to keep on going and we're going to sing a song called my testimony mike whenever you're ready take off with it i love the bridge if i'm not dead you're not done anybody alive this morning if you're alive god's not done with you yet we got a testimony and god wants to use us sing it the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven My praise belongs to you forever This is my testimony From death to life The Spirit's wrote my story I'll testify By Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony, this is my sons and daughters, bought with blood and washed in water. Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father. Our God will finish what he started, yes he will. This is my testimony from death to life. His grace rewrote my story. I testify by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Heart, if I'm not dead, you're not done. Let's proclaim it. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things, greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Come on. Greater things are still to come, oh I believe If I'm not dead, you're not done Greater things, greater things are still to come, oh I believe This is my testimony, this is my testimony From death to life,
3: cause grace rewrote my
2: story, I'll
3: testify by jesus christ the righteous
2: i'm justified this is my testimony oh i'm alive this is my testimony from death to life His grace rewrote my story i'll testify by jesus christ the righteous i'm justified this is my testimony this is my testimony If you got a testimony, give the Lord a clap offering of praise this morning. Hallelujah. We're going to transition now and teach you a brand new song. And actually, Pastor Eric is going to play the drums with us this morning. He and I have been practicing a lot. This song is called Running Home. It fits great with our message this morning because we're going to find out that Saul, who turned into Paul, had a testimony. And we're going to hear his testimony this morning about how God changed his life and God called him to home. And God's calling us to home. So I know Chris knows this song. Chris, where are you? He's been like chomping at the bit ready to sing this song. So this is called Running Home. Run home to the Lord this morning. A long time running from a dead end road. Looking for that something that could fill my soul. Never find what I was searching for. Spent a long time running from a messed up past. But you can't go forward when you're looking back. But I ain't looking back anymore. Here's how the chorus goes. He called my name. Stole my shape Stole my shape Everything changed when I came running home I'm running I'm entering running, running, home cause I'm trying to be good I'm enough I'm far from perfect but I found perfect love In the arms that won't let go Got a heart on fire, got a wind in my back Singing hallelujah, I am free at last. Every day I'm running home He called my name called
3: my mate, And
2: sold my shade. And stole my shade Everything changed when I came I'm Running home, I'm running, I'm running home Out of the dark, Out of the dark Into his eyes Run this race till my final step. Gonna sing this song till my final breath. Let the weight of this world go. Gonna be no tears, gonna be no pain. When I see that smile on my Savior's face, I won't be walking, I'll be running home. He called my name. Called my name. And so. Shaked. so I shake. Everything changed when I came running home. I'm running, I'm running, running home. home out of the dark, out of
3: the dark
2: into His eyes. thank you that you called us home. You've given each one of us a testimony. Lord, I pray over this service today that as we hear this testimony of your goodness and your faithfulness, that you would encourage us and challenge us with our own testimony of how we can share it with others. God, we run home to you this morning. In Jesus'
1: name we pray. Amen. You can be seated this morning as you're doing that. Let's go to Jeb and see what time it is. Well, good morning, and do you know what time it is? Well, that's right, it's time for Kids Church. So if all our kiddos wanna get up on their feet and head to the back doors there in the center, that's where Miss Jackie is, it is time to go downstairs for Kids Church. Let's give our kids a cheer this morning. Woo! I'll see you kiddos down there. Bye! Oh, so grateful for Jeb. I need a moment to get my leg working again after that. So, man, I love the Lord. Does anybody else love Jesus? Man, we've had just some phenomenal services. And just looking at this kind of mini-series we've been on with the life of Saul, we're going back there one more time today and closing it out. You notice that we've got tables up here and we are going to have ourselves an interactive time at the end of service. Everybody's going to be involved and, and participate in a really great way. Well, Let's do a little bit of a recap. We've got a man named Saul, and he was passionately persecuting the church. The Bible actually says that Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Wow. Think about that for a minute. I know I've said this multiple times. Church, that is a promise. Is destroyed. Yet here the Holy Spirit is writing through Luke, and Luke goes, this guy is destroying the church. That's powerful words. Powerful words. That's what this guy was doing. We know he endorsed, if not participated, in the killing of Christians, He was now empowered by the high priest to go to Damascus and round up the Christian threat there. But here was the moment that Saul never could have seen coming. On the road to Damascus, he would meet Jesus. And that's what we talked about in week one. This individual who thought he was passionately serving God was persecuting God. It's in that conversation with Jesus on the road to Damascus where Jesus goes, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's world gets turned upside down. In week one, we talked about the dangers of what we think we know. And that's just not for when we become, we're from sinners to saints, but now in our life as followers of Christ, we have to be careful because sometimes what holds us back from what God has for our future is what we think we know what we think we understand. That's why it's so important we must remain humble before God and constantly be seeking his guidance. We talked about the fact that Saul was humbled before God. He was physically blinded, but you know what? It was okay to be physically blinded because his physical condition led to his spiritual awakening with his relationship with Jesus. Jesus. And sometimes the things that we go through that are physically difficult in our life lead to a huge spiritual blessing in our life. In week two, we saw that Saul meets a man named Ananias. And Paul goes through a transformation because he goes from praying on Christians, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G, praying on Christians, to praying for God to give him direction. He sees this, he begins to experience a transformation in his life, and now he finds himself praying, humble before God, Lord, where do I go from here as a blind man? Yet God would send a man named Ananias. So sure was God that Ananias would respond that he told Saul first, this man named Ananias is coming to your house, because when the Spirit shows up and speaks to Ananias, he goes, I've already told Saul you're coming. But we know that Ananias had issues because of the reputation that Saul had. And he went from fearing and hating Saul, from being offended by Saul's sin, to seeing Saul the way Jesus saw him, a man who was hurting, a man in need of Jesus. And that's how we need to see people as well. We've got to see beyond the offense, beyond the sin. To see the person that Jesus sees. Because Jesus is calling us to those people. He's calling us to witness to those people. To love on them and bring them along. And that's exactly what Ananias did for Saul. He shows up. He calls him brother. Brother Saul. And not only does he say it's not lip service, but he goes and he lays hands on them. He treats him as a brother. He loves on him. And begins to pray for him. And as he does so, Saul is healed. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Saul goes, i got to get baptized. What an amazing story. But it's not done yet. This week we'll continue on in scripture. And we'll see that Saul meets opposition. And he also will finally go back. And he'll meet the believers in Jerusalem. So let's jump into Saul's testimony, because that's really what today is all about. Not just Saul's testimony, your testimony, and how to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were, uh, were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them prisoner to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by, providing, by, by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through the opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Man, may that be so again. May the church of God continue to increase in numbers. Amen? There's still seats in the sanctuary. When we outgrow the sanctuary, we'll build a new one. There's still people to be reached here in Ripon. Amen? Amen? And Not only do we want that, the more important thing is that's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants a relationship with every person that lives in our town and surrounding community. So let's jump into this. We know that Saul meets with opposition. Saul immediately began to proclaim the Christ. As he had the Christ, let's try this again. Saul immediately began to proclaim the Christ that he had persecuted, declaring boldly that Jesus is the Son of God. The dramatic change in Saul's life was a source of wonder to the Jews at Damascus. Every new convert's witness for Christ ought to begin right where he is. You become a witness for Christ the minute that you begin a relationship with him. For Saul, that was in Damascus. It's likely that Saul's visit to Arabia, we find in Galatians 1.17, actually took place around this time. Had Luke included it in this account, he probably would have placed it between Acts 9.21 and 22. We don't know exactly how long he remained in Arabia, but we do know that after three years, Saul went back to Jerusalem. We know that from Galatians 1.18. So more time passes in this scripture in Acts than we kind of first realize. So why would Saul go to Arabia? Probably because the Lord had instructed him to and wanted to spend some time with Saul and get him grounded in the word and in the spirit of the Lord. There were many things that would have had to have been clarified in Saul's mind before he could minister effectively as an apostle for Christ. Saul had to take time to allow the Holy Spirit to ge- deconstruct his way of thinking, his way of living, his speech. All these different things inside of him, there had to be a season of deconstruction and rebuilding. So take this point away. Sometimes Jesus calls us into seasons like Saul to learn, to educate to reevaluate, a season for the Holy Spirit to deconstruct our thoughts and mind and then to rebuild us. You have to take a three-year vacation, all of us, all of us, where God calls us into a season of him doing something in our mind and heart in a different way that takes time. I like to say sometimes God puts us on the bench. It's not because he looks at us and goes, you're a bad player. He puts us on the bench because he goes, I got something better for you. Let's be willing to go where the Holy Spirit leads us, even if it is on the bench for a period of time. Saul returned to Damascus. He began, when he, he returned to Damascus, he began witnessing. And the Jews sought to silence him. Now he would actually discover what it meant to be hunted instead of being the hunter. Isn't it interesting how the tables had turned? What it must have been like for Saul to be led into Damascus blind, but then led out like a common criminal smuggled out of the city. Throughout his life, this man, Saul, he would be hated, hunted, plotted against by both Jews and Gentiles. As we go through the book of Acts, we'll see how the opposition and persecution continued to increase until the apostle ends up in prison in Rome, yet God was still not finished with him. Throughout all his trials, though, Saul's attitude was unique. He counted it as a privilege to suffer for the sake of Christ. And as Saul does, so should we. Sometimes the difficult season, our prayers are, God, get me out of the difficult season. I don't think Saul had a lot of those prayers. I think Saul had a lot of prayers of, Lord, I'm in this difficult season. What is it that you want to do in me and through me and in the lives of others imagine if we could turn our prayer life around like that 2 Timothy 3:12 says and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution so if you're living for Jesus today buckle up you will experience persecution in Acts 9:26 through 31 we see that Saul then meets the Jerusalem believers there were two stages to this Saul experiences uh, his experiences with the church. We look first that Saul was rejected. At first, the believers in Jerusalem Church they were afraid of him. Saul kept trying. That's the actual, literal Greek. There is he kept trying. He kept trying to join their fellowship, but they would not accept him. For one thing, they were afraid of him, and rightfully so, given his reputation. They probably thought this was all this new attitude and friendliness was only a trick to get into their fellowship so that he could arrest them all. They did not believe that he was a disciple, let alone that he had had a a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Their attitude might seem strange to you this morning, but surely, if you might think to yourself, surely the Damascus saints, the Damascus church, they must have gotten word back to Jerusalem that Saul had been converted and was preaching the word. Or perhaps Saul's disappearance for almost three years gave them an air of suspicion to his testimony? Where had he been? What was he doing? Why was he wait, Why did he wait so long to contact the Jerusalem elders of the church? Furthermore, what right did he have to call himself an apostle? Because in their minds, he was not selected by Jesus. There were many unanswered questions, and all these unanswered questions helped to create an atmosphere of suspicion and fear But the story was not done there. Because in verses 27 to 31, we see that Saul becomes accepted by the church. And it was Barnabas who helped the Jerusalem church accept Saul. Barnabas took hold of Saul and brought him to the church leaders and convinced them that Saul was both a believer and chosen by Jesus to preach his word. He had indeed seen the risen Christ. It's not necessary uh, necessary to invent some type of hidden reason why Barnabas befriended Saul. The fact was that this was just who Barnabas was. Saul became the Jews that we see in the Scripture. It's interesting because this is the exact same group that would end, that engineered the trial and the death of Stephen we read about in Acts chapter 6, which Saul participated in. Saul was one of these individuals having been born and raised in Tarsus. And no doubt he felt an obligation to take up the mantle left by Stephen. The very execution that he attended and held the coats of the man who stoned him. These Hellenistic Jews were not about to permit this kind of witness. So they plotted to kill him just as they did Stephen. But they would fail. And then the scripture goes on to tell us that there came a time where the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Thank goodness God gives us seasons of peace and seasons for us to be strengthened. If you're going through a battle today, I want to tell you, you're in a season where it's a battle, but it is not going to be that way forever. There is a season coming. Of victory. There is a season coming of peace. There is a season coming of new strength. But we've got to walk the walk to get there. So, what's our takeaways from this this morning? Well, whether it's opposition from Christian, Jews, Gentiles, or the opposition of circumstance, which we've all been a part of, Saul shared his story. And what was his story? It was what Jesus had done for him and what Jesus could do for others. When up against opposition and doubters, it was his consistency of his testimony, his character, his attitude, his actions, his behavior that gave him reliability and credibility that eventually garnered people's trust. Your testimony is important. Revelations 12:11 says, "We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony." So let me give you just a few quick things about your story as you share it, as we're meant to share it. One, be truthful. Be truthful. You do not have to make up a testimony. Tell your story the way it is. Tell your story the way it is. I love talking about Ananias here the last last couple weeks, but there was another Ananias in the book of Acts that we saw just a few chapters ago, married to Sapphira, And they show up for a church service and they give false testimony. They had sold a piece of property, showed up at church and said, hey, we sold this piece of property. Here is all the money from that sale. We want to give it to the kingdom and the things of God. The only problem with that is that wasn't the truth. And I want to tell you, it was not not a matter of money. It was not the fact that they they didn't give it all. The fact was is that they lied about it. They gave a false testimony. Had they gone and said, if we sold a piece of property, we'd like to give a portion of it to the church and to the ministry, it all would have been great. But instead, they lied about it to try to gain her favor with people or garner favor with people. And because they lied, not just one of them, but both of them died in that church service. And the ushers took them out and buried them one at a time. All of a sudden, there's no ushers. Nobody wants to volunteer for that service in church. I'm like, could you imagine? You have sign-up sheets in the early church. They're like, oh, you signed up for an usher? Here's a shovel. You might need it. So I'm like, wow, crazy. Let's make sure that we're honest about our testimony. Don't make it up. Don't make it up. And you might feel the pressure that well, my testimony is so it's so not what I've heard. You know, we have Teen Challenge that comes and visits us, and you hear about somebody who, man, I was so far away from God all the time, Then Jesus came into life, and we celebrate it. That's incredible. And you might go, yeah, but you know what? I was raised at church. I gave my life to Jesus when I was four years old at VBS, again when I was six, and again when I was ten. Uh, I've been water baptized six times, and, and, and I've, I've never really, if you feel like I've never lived this life. Are you kidding me? That's a great testimony. Because while God rescued somebody out of drugs, he's rescued you from that. You didn't have to endure it. Your story is just as powerful. Just tell your story. You don't have to make it up. I've gotten my notes here. Your testimony doesn't have to be a spectacle. And what I mean by that is, is it doesn't have to be super duper with fireworks and everything else. Let's go back to last week for just a moment, because here was, here was Saul. He's on the road to Damascus, and then he has this fireworks moment. There's a, a sound that everybody hears. There's a bright light that only Saul sees. Jesus shows up to Saul. The other guys don't see Jesus. He has this incredible moment. The guys around him know something's going on, but they're not sure what's happening. Saul ends up blind. They have to lead him to Damascus. I mean, that's a spectacular fireworks moment. But just as powerful is when Saul was in the back room of somebody's house with the door closed, when Ananias walked in and said, Brother Saul, Jesus has sent me to you to pray for you. There were no fireworks. There was probably just a few men gathered together as Ananias laid his hands on this man. And he was healed filled with the Spirit, and transformed by the power of God. It doesn't have to be his spectacle to hold power in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. My dad's about to come and share his testimony. My mom and dad are with us today, so it's great having them here for Father's Day. And believe me, he has got a fireworks-style testimony. But before he comes, I wanted to share one thing. He didn't know I was going to do this. And I'm going to cry because I cry every week. (laughs) Um, I want to thank you for being a dad to me. Um, Married my mom when I was 10 years old. And uh, you've been impacting my life ever since. But there are two gifts that you gave me that I will always remember as long as I live. One is a baseball glove that you had handmade when you were in Korea. You brought it back. And I think about that, but I still own it. I know exactly where it is. I forgot to bring it this morning. I know exactly where it is. And I think that speaks into my life that it's so important to be a team player. It's not about one individual. You taught me at as a young age, play as a team. The other gift was your Bible that you gave me, this old Schofield Bible that I still have. And I believe this is the greatest gift you could have ever given me. At the time, I had no idea what God would do. And that 10-year-old boy, could you ever imagine that all these years later, we'd be sharing a platform, sharing about the power of Jesus and how he changes people's lives? How cool is that? The small things you do make a big impact, church. Parents and grandparents, never be ashamed to give your kids the word of God. They may not appreciate it today, But I will tell you, there will come a day where they will appreciate that they had the word of God in their life as a child, and they'll follow him as an adult. They might lose their way for a season, but raise them up in the ways they should go, and they'll not depart from it. Dad, would you come and share your testimony with us this morning?
0: Well, one of my prayers uh, this morning is, Lord, please don't let me start crying. Please don't let me start crying. (laughs) But I came prepared. (laughs) Because sometimes God doesn't answer my prayers like I want him to. When I married Bonnie uh, years ago, I I never imagined that I would stand on a stage and give a testimony about what... God has done in my life, and uh, I am incredibly proud of my son, all my boys, and I am humbled to come stand before you today and hopefully get through this testimony. I came prepared. Instead of trying to give it off of a note, I actually wrote it down so that I could just read it and uh, not get lost in emotions. So if you'll bear with me. It was on Saturday 1029 of last year, we were at our church handing out candy for a daily sponsored event. About halfway through the event, I started to get nauseous, a little dizzy, and a headache in the back of my neck. I checked and wasn't experiencing any symptoms associated with a stroke, so I sat the rest of the event and went home that night. Later that night, my headache moved from the right side of my head, top and front and right behind my eyes. Over the next few days, it got better and worse. I took a COVID test and it came back negative. And like a guy, like a man, I just toughed it out. It'll get better. But by Wednesday night, my headache had gotten so bad that I asked my wife and my youngest son to take me to the ER in La Crosse. When we got there after about an hour's ride, they did a CT scan and said that the only way I was leaving the hospital was on a medevac flight or a road ambulance to Mayo, Rochester. After a few hours, they were able to get me to a road ambulance, get me on a road ambulance to Mayo, where they put me into the ICU and diagnosed angiography of my brain all within a few hours. And this is, for those of you that don't know, where they go through the upper leg, the heart, and up into the brain with a camera and look at what's going on. Uh, They found and photographed the aneurysm and determined that it was too complex to fix at that time, but they felt that they could still get it done through a the same procedure and not have to go through the skull through the outside and put a clip on it. They took the afternoon to plan, and by 8 a.m. on Friday morning, I was back in the OR for round two. Several hours later for them, and what only seemed like a few minutes for me, they were wheeling me back into the ICU for recovery. Normally, the recovery for this type of surgery is five to 14 days in the ICU, followed by a few days on the ward. However, I was so blessed in my recovery but that by Saturday morning, they were looking for a room off the ward And uh, I was discharged by uh, noon on Sunday. I came home on Sunday 11-6 and was back to work on Tuesday. Now I spent a couple of days thinking about what happened and late at night while lying in bed I couldn't sleep. I just kept thinking about what, what had happened there. And so I started to write it all down. Four things that I've learned through this. If you have get a spinal tap on your bucket list, take it off, okay? I had five of them in a 12-hour period, and they are as unpleasant as you think they are. And unlike an epidural, you don't get that happy ending where they give you a drug and you don't feel anything. They are very unpleasant. I also learned that I'm different in how my brain is designed. When God created me, he said, ta-da. Actually, I have a shirt that says that and has a a chicken on it from one of the, God created me, he said, ta-da. But I don't have that artery that connects between the brain halves. I have the carotid arteries that go up both sides, but the two halves of my brain don't connect. When I was growing up, people said I didn't play nice with others, I don't even play nice with myself. I mean, my brain just leaves each side to its own. So if I have a bleed, I start losing brain cells immediately because there's no back pressure. Now, I'll change stop for my notes here and say I, I, was gonna, I was happy when I heard that because I thought, well, oh, that's a good excuse with my wife whenever she complains about how I'm acting. But unfortunately, one of the 60-year-old doctors that was there with me said, no, I have the same thing. And so I was like, ah, shoot, can't use that as an excuse. Thanks, doc. So if I have an aneurysm, if I, if I, have, I, I won't even be a, an extra on a VeggieTale special immediately. So it, it's pretty serious. I also learned the third thing is that prayer works. In James 5.16, it says, the effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Yet in Romans 3.10, it says, no one is righteous, no, not one. And growing up, that bothered me a lot, because how could I be righteous? I know who I am. I know what I am. How can God hear my prayers? And it wasn't until I realized that by the blood of Christ, I'm righteous, that He looks at me as righteous because I am covered in the blood of Christ. So my prayers matter, and the prayers matter for the situation I was in. I had three churches, multiple prayer chains, hundreds of people praying for me, people I don't even know and won't know until eternity. And I can tell you today that I know I'm alive because of your prayers. I know that. A doctor came in. I had had 11 doctors that worked with me. If I had moved out to Ripon, I'd have probably had two or three doctors who had seen this before or had done it once or twice. But I was at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, which is one of the premier uh, cardiovascular surgery hospitals in the world. And I had 11 doctors working with me. The person to my left had died in ICU. The person to my right had died in ICU. They weren't able to save them. And I wanted the doctors to come in as they were getting ready to release me off to go up to the general ward and say, you dodged a bullet. You dodged a real bullet. You need to live your life every day with a blessing because you dodged a bullet on this one. The fourth thing that I learned is that that was a real miracle. There was a lot of discomfort, downright pain, that I was never afraid. Throughout this entire ordeal, I was never afraid. I served 21 years in the military and always wondered how I'd face the prospect of my death. I think men and women who serve, especially those who serve as first responders or in the military, we we have time to think about this kind of thing. Always wondered, would I be brave? Would I be defiant? Would I be a coward? Would I cry? What I found is at that moment, on Thursday night when I was lying in bed, and I realized with just a tremendous certainty that this might be my last night on Earth. I may be gone tonight or tomorrow in surgery, I don't have the the peace connecting the brain. Something happens, stroke, I'll die. And what I found was peace, and I found acceptance. Now I'd like to say that I felt the Spirit of God, you know, and and this warmth and bright lights and a Damascus moment. I didn't. What I felt was that it was well in my soul, and I knew I was saved. Why is that important for me? Paul writes. Of how hard he trained to keep from being cast away. And I always struggled with that scripture, because if Paul was concerned about being cast away, I should be terrified of being cast away. That wasn't the lesson. The lesson was is that God is sufficient. Everything has already been done. There is nothing else that needs to be done. I was saved at a young age, grew up in the church. I like to say I was raised on both sides of the tracks, both Baptist and Pentecostal. Um, but I always I, I always struggled for, for over 40 years. I always wondered, am I really saved? Not, not a lot, but it was just this little seed of doubt that would hit me at night when I would lay in bed. Sometimes when I'd be praying, I'd wonder, am I really praying to God or am I praying to a dark corner in the room? And it was, it was silly because I knew I was saved, but there was this little seed. It's kind of like when you get a, a, a rock in your boot when you're walking. And you kind of can't stop and take it out, so you kind of move your foot around, and you get it over there to the side, and you keep walking. It's still there. You still feel it. And for 40-plus years, I had that little seed of doubt. And on Thursday night, the real miracle was that God reached down, and he took that seed of doubt away. He took that rock out. For over 40 years, I had been listening to Satan... Just a little seed of doubt every now and then about my salvation. Was I really saved? Do I need to give my life to the Lord again? Do I need to be baptized yet again? It was all a lie. And I knew at that moment that I was saved. I can't tell you the difference that that's made in my life. But I'm going to try. I've looked for that seed of doubt in the months since, and I can't find it. The surgeon told me in february that my aneurysm had grown after it had been repaired it went from 8 to 14 millimeters and that's not a good aneurysm so they had to go back in they're gonna have to go back in and repair it again as i stood out on the walkway looking out over the city of rochester i started smiling crying at the same time because i looked for that seed of doubt i couldn't find it and i just was praising the lord that it's okay. It's well in my soul. Salvation is built on the foundation of grace and the work of God in Christ on the cross. Our faith and surrender to that work and the trust and hope are the only thing that we need to give us, our salvation. Paraphrasing 2 Timothy 1.12, I, I say, And I know whom I trust, and I am confident in whom I have entrusted to keep that which I have given him, until the day it is required of me. I realized on Thursday night, I remembered the scripture that said, nothing can take me from God. And he never until his resurrection. He never took his eyes off of me. I'm a nobody. <laughs> I can tell you that for sure, I'm a nobody. For God to love me. He's got to love all of you. It was the day that my wife and I decided to get active in the church that the enemy attacked us. I spent 21 years in the military. When you're back in your R&R, you're back in your rest and relaxation. you're not getting attacked. You might get a shell every now and then, but you're basically back there. You don't even have your weapon with you all the time. It's not until you battle, get into your battle rattle, gear up and you go out on the front lines that you come under direct attack of the enemy. It was on that first day I took one in the head. I remember laying in in bed, I think it was on Thursday night, and I said to Eric, Two can play this game. If he's gonna attack me, I'll serve more. Because God had taken away from me that one percent. In March they repaired the aneurysm, not needing to go through the outside of my skull. I was kinda looking forward to get my head shaved. In September, I have another appointment. They're going to go in through the wrist this time and check to make sure there's no scarring and, and just re- clean that off because I can't get a stroke on that side. Nothing helps me from the other side. I don't know how the chapter will, will end in my life. I don't know how this part of it will end. But I know I've read the book, and I know how the book ends, and I'm okay with that ending. And I know that the most important book is the book of life, and my name is written in it. And there's no reason for it should that it should be. There is no reason. It's only because Christ loves me. I realized as I laid in bed. Afterwards, at home, that I had prayed for everybody. I had prayed for the people who were praying for me, the hundred people I didn't know. I asked God to bless them. I prayed for the, the doctors who had lost two patients earlier, and now I was going to be number three. I prayed for my church, and I realized I'd never once prayed for myself. It's not pride. I just forgot. I was so busy, I I forgot to pray for myself. And on Thursday night, God answered a prayer I never prayed for. He took that seed of doubt out. He does things for us, even when we don't ask for it, because He loves us. Let me finish by saying this. If you don't know what it's like to be 99% sure and 100% sure you're saved, it's like being on the starting grid of an F1 race and you're either driving for Williams or you're driving for Red Bull. And I'm driving for Red Bull, even though I'm a Ferrari fan. What God has done to me has given me a boldness that I never knew existed. I will stand on a street corner and tell people that God loves them. And I don't hear Satan anymore. We are all, every one of us, a testimony to what God is doing. We are all monuments to what God is doing in our lives. I encourage each and every one of you to write them down, to store them in your Bible, to look at them, to remember the things that God does for you. I wrote this down, I read it, Every couple of weeks, every couple of days, and I'm writing down all the other times because we forget. God loves us beyond measure. And I can't wait to go home.
3: Amen. I love
1: And you come to church inside of you. Am I really saved? Let's just make sure today. Maybe you're here watching online and you've never given your life to Christ. Let's make sure that you get that opportunity today. Here's what the word tells us that every one of us is separated from God by a thing called sin, which basically is imperfection. None of us are perfect. We need a Savior in our life. And Jesus is that Savior. Jesus is the Son of God. He came, He lived, He died, and He rose again. He conquered death and the grave so that He could have a relationship with you, just not for a few moments, just not for your lifetime, but for eternity. Would you do this this morning? Would you just bow your head wherever you are? I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. And if you would pray this in your heart as well, you're going to walk out of here today with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, and that you rose again. And that I need you in my life. I believe that you love me. Would you save me? Would you transform me? Would you do something amazing with my life? Would you speak to me, encourage me? Lord, I take my hands off the wheel, and I ask you to direct my life from here on out. In Jesus' mighty name, and God's people said, amen. Amen. Your testimony is important. So, I'm going to ask Robbie if you'd come with uh, the special team that you've got assembled. You guys are going to play a little something for us. What I'm going to ask every person to do here today is so I'm going to ask you to come and respond to the altar. We have post it notes. Man, this thing is heavier than it looks. We've got some post-it notes up at these tables. What I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to come. Take a pen, and I want you to write down a word, phrase, a sentence. You can do multiple post-it notes. That's fine, multiple words. But everybody here who has a relationship with Christ, I'd like to ask you to do this today. I'd like you to write down whatever that word is. Just some word that relates to your story. And it may not mean anything to anybody else, but it means everything to you. Would you come and write down that phrase, that word, that sentence? And you can do multiple ones. And then would you come and would you just stick it to this cross? And I'll show you, I'll I'll share with you why in a moment. But I'm gonna ask you to come do that. And when you're done, instead of going back to your seat, if you could find a place closer to the front, because we're gonna do one more thing before we leave here today. if you would do that, I believe that God would honor that in an incredible way. And I believe what you write down will will speak to you in some way that it really maybe hasn't before as we do this. Would you guys just begin to play? Lord, we just pray as we do this, this just exercise here, that God, you would do something amazing in our heart, something unexpected as we Write that down as we stick these sticky notes to this cross, that there would be something that you stick on our heart and on our mind about our story, about why it's important to you, why it's important to us, why it might be important to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just come and begin to write, and when you're done, just step out of the way, find a seat, let somebody else come, and begin to write
2: down.
1: When you're walking
2: in the room There's not a thing that's hidden When every eye is on you, you can't get enough of your presence It's the perfect point of view Isn't it just like, just like, just like heaven? Oh, God. Little closer, stay a little longer. Oh, oh, oh. I can't get enough of you. Oh, oh, oh. Come a little closer, stay a little longer. Oh, oh, oh. I can't get enough of you. Doesn't it sound like heaven when you're singing over me? There's not a voice that's constant. Your melodies they never cease. Here I'm standing in your presence, in my true identity. It doesn't it sound like? Yeah, it sounds like just like heaven. So stay a little longer Oh, I can't get enough of you Father, I worship you forever. Holy, you are holy. i lay down any treasure for us to be together. Holy, you are holy. You're such a perfect beautiful.
1: An engineer to put the cross back on the wall.
3: <laughs>
1: Chances are we'll get out of here earlier if I try to do it. All these sticky notes on here are representative of our lives in this place. Different colors, different statements, different words. But it's really interesting. We put it all together, it shows Jesus in our life. Our stories show Jesus. And as we come together as a church, as we come together with other believers in our community, it's all about our lives showing what he did on the cross, what he did when he rose from the grave. That's the story. I'm so excited as we go outside, and it's going to be crazy and chaotic the next couple weeks. As we step into this, this new season, going outside, I feel I'm just reminded of the disciples fishing, right? Worked all night long, didn't catch anything, but Jesus said, cast the nets out one more time. And they obeyed. If everything that we do over the summer, all the work, all the energy, all the falling down and, and, and muddling through things that aren't perfect, if one person finds Christ, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. I want to do one more thing this morning. If you need a miracle in your life, We want to pray for you. If you need a touch from God in your life in some way this morning, would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. You just raise your hand. Keep it up. Church, move right now. Move right now next to someone who's got their hand raised. Because I believe miracles beget miracles. Nobody with a hand up is left alone. Get to those people Find somebody. Somebody mobilize. Somebody move. Maybe you're scared to pray. Just go over there. It's going to be okay. But nobody's left alone. If we run out of people that didn't have their hands up, move closer to somebody who you got a hand up to. Just say, we're going to pray for things in our church right now. And Dawn just... F- Dan Spiegler, I know you've got a bum knee. We're going to pray for a miracle. Our children's pastor just got her surgery moved up, so she won't be here next week for the launch of service. She needs a miracle. And our church needs some miracles too as we continue to follow the Lord. Let's begin to pray. Begin to just cry out to God. I believe that the Spirit is going to give you words. It's going to come from your gut. Just just begin to just pray. The right words are going to come out. Just begin to pray. Maybe it's in a prayer language that you've never spoken in before or maybe it's you've done before but you're just going to start praying. Whatever comes out, just let it vocalize out as you're praying for that individual. You are the church. You have a testimony. You are called just like Saul for this moment. Lord, this morning, your people call upon your name. Almighty King, righteous Savior, amazing friend. Lord, you see the hearts of your people. You see the issues going on, the mental, the physical, the emotional, the circumstantial. God, we ask you to step into the midst of our mess and do a mighty miracle. Write another chapter of our story. Draw us closer to you through this time and then do something in and through us. God, I pray that you would provide healings in amazing ways. Lord, we pray that you are capable. Would you would you heal those with cancer this morning? Would you heal those with headaches and migraines this morning? Would you heal those who need a healing? Would you provide for those who need provision? Would you bring restoration for those in need of restoration this morning? I pray for the marriage that's on the ropes. You would do amazing miracles. Draw that couple back together. Refire, rekindle their love for one another in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, do something amazing that only you can do. And God, as you move, may we give testimony of your great works. Lord, whether you use the hands of doctors or you heal people all on your own, you are still worthy of praise. And Lord, if you don't heal, you are still worthy of praise. Because our story doesn't end with our life. Our story goes beyond. Lord, we pray for Jackie as she goes into surgery this week. God, your hand upon those surgeons. Give them wisdom. Lord, we pray for our church as we venture into new ground, new territory, going back outside with our worship night on Friday, the church picnic on Sunday. We might be down a few bodies, but Lord, we'll pick up the slack. We'll share together. We'll work as a team. We might fall, but we're going to fall forward. We'll learn from our mistakes, but God, we pray that your anointing would cover the gap. Your grace is big enough to cover the gap. The things we haven't thought of, the things that we need to change, you'll be in the midst of that. And Lord, we pray most of all for salvations for the kingdom. We pray for people to be obedient and get water baptized. We pray for amazing encounters. And Lord, I believe there are stories that we will never hear until we get to heaven of people that drove by and saw something happening here and the Spirit of God touched their life as they saw us worshiping, as they saw someone getting baptized. I believe there's stories of people that'll be in the community and somehow the noise from the speakers will carry carry across our across our city. And somebody who is thinking about ending their life this summer will be forever changed. every ounce of sweat. But Lord, you have to. Lord, let us remember the words of that song that God, we can run home. When we're scared, when we're fearful, when we're facing things so far beyond us, we could always run home to our Savior. You will always be there. You will never leave us nor forsake us. I thank you for the power of my Father's testimony. The healing that you did not just physically, but spiritually in his life. And by far, by far, church, the greatest miracle that takes place is the miracle of salvation. That is the greatest miracle. Lord, we love you. As we go about our Father's Day, Lord, would you do what only you can do? This is a move, and we are in the middle of it, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your favor. We thank you for your guidance. Help us to remain humble. Lord, as we give our tithes and offerings today, Lord, bless those who give. And Lord, may it go further. May we be able to do more for the kingdom. May this little church in Ripon, Wisconsin, be able to do more for the kingdom of God than we ever thought possible. Both here at home and abroad, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, Well, I think we had church this morning. How about you? You know, as you're leaving today, can we play running home one more time? Can we do that? I feel like, I don't know if you ever saw the Muppet animal from the Muppets. Like, more drums, more drums. Your pastor's got a need for more drums this morning. Let's let's play that song as you get ready to leave today.
2: this world go when i see that smile he called my name It stole my shame everything changed when i bless you. See you Friday.